Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. There is a little hot springs nestled near the peak of the Pesimaroi Pass in central Idaho. Though it is hidden in plain sight sitting quite literally on the shoulder of the road, it's not a well-known attraction outside of the valley. But the local ranchers are quite familiar with Barney Hot Springs. It's not unusual to drive by on the weekends and see several families enjoying the water. Barney Hot Springs, or simply Barney's, is incredibly remote, even for Idaho standards. It's at least an hour of driving over ruddy dirt roads to the small town of Salmon in the north. If you need a hospital... It's over two hours to the regional hospital in Idaho Falls to the south. To say that you're in the middle of nowhere at Barney's is an understatement. But the seclusion is one of Barney's major drawing points. That and the odd abundance of tropical fish swimming in the year-round warm waters. You can sit back, relax, and take in the surrounding views of the mighty Rocky Mountains with little in the way of distractions. But Barney's isn't all that it seems to be on the surface. You see, an event 40 years ago turned this little hot spring from a local retreat to a local nightmare. 
On the afternoon of October 27th, two truckers stopped for fuel at my parents' gas station and cafe in Howe, Idaho. They were hauling a load of hay or something over the Pasimaroi Pass headed for a delivery point somewhere in Utah. As the truck fueled, the two men settled down at the cafe counter and ordered some coffees. Sipping his coffee, the old trucker struck up a conversation with my mother and the regulars in the cafe. He seemed a bit on edge, but was normal in comparison to his younger partner. That young man was clearly shaken and didn't say more than a, a quiet yes ma'am or no ma'am to my mum. He kept his attention on the cup of coffee he cradled in his shaking hands. As the older trucker and the others conversed, he brought up a peculiar event that had happened to them that afternoon. So they had crested the Pasimaroi Pass and were coming down into the Little Lost Valley. As they approached Barney Hot Springs, standing in the middle of the road was what looked to be a child. Bringing the truck to a stop, they soon realized in horror and fascination what was before them. It wasn't a child, but an odd, humanoid-looking creature. Its body was slim with long, slender limbs and a squat little torso. The head and the eyes were large and amphibian-like. It was not standing any taller than a preschooler, they could see its green skin shimmer in the brilliant midday sun. Dripping with water, it was clutching a large bundle of what could only be described as hundreds of eggs. The creature watched the truck come to a stop, then awkwardly walked over the rest of the road and down an embankment. It was obvious from the trail of water that it left behind that it had just come from Barney Hot Springs. On the other side of the road was a small stream hidden in dense willow bushes. No sooner had the creature disappeared, the two truckers were driving away as fast as their engine would take them. My mum and a few regulars at the cafe took in the man's story with silent, somber expressions and comforting head nods. This wasn't the first time strange things had happened and been witnessed in this little lost valley. Of course, a, a frogman carrying his brood certainly was the most unique story that they had heard in a long time. The regulars told the trucker not to get too worked up over the incident, as it could have been the autumn sun playing tricks on their eyes. But the reassurance seemed to calm the men. They finished their coffees in a few quick gulps and headed out the door. My mother and the regulars had a good chuckle over the man's story and went on with their day. The following morning on October 28th, one of the largest earthquakes ever recorded in Idaho struck the area. The Bora Peak earthquake was a magnitude 7.5 and could be felt hundreds of miles away. It destroyed farm infrastructure, roads and bridges. It even killed two children on their way to school when a brick building in Chalice, Idaho collapsed on top of them. It was a horrific and frightening day for everyone in Idaho. Barney Hot Springs was not far from the quake's epicenter and did not escape its wrath. A couple passing visitors near the springs that morning watched in amazement as the water drained into the earth, leaving behind a stinky, mucky hole. Minutes later, to their further astonishment, the water came splashing back into the depression but was now boiling hot. It was a truly bizarre geological event to see. 
The boiling stopped immediately after the earthquake ceased, and the water at Barney's quickly cooled. It's now more of a, a warm springs, having permanently lost about 15 degrees of temperature after the earthquake. The frogman has been seen a handful of times since that initial sighting, always near Barney's and almost always standing in the road. I personally like to think that the frogman was just a doting parent getting their babies out of harm's way before the earthquake struck and annihilated everything in the hot springs. Barney Hot Springs is still a widely popular spot for the locals. No one seems to be too bothered by the idea of sharing the water with a little odd amphibian man and his family. Someone even reintroduced the tropical fish after the boiling incident killed all of them. It remains just one of the many weird stories to come out of the Lost Rivers area of Idaho where I grew up. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I'm a woman in my 30s who lives alone in a small house at the head of a quiet cul-de-sac in the UK. The street is a maze of roads away from the main road, which means that other than delivery guys and the occasional salesperson, you very rarely see anyone that you don't recognize. I don't exactly know all of my neighbors, but I do know what they look like, and I know where they live. I can recognize their cars, etc., now, this weirdness happened over the space of a few months several years back. I work from home, so I'm usually in, and sometimes I don't have a lot to do. The first day was one of those lazy days. It was about 4pm, and I'm sitting on the sofa watching some daft stuff about alien cover-ups or whatever. Someone knocked on the door. I have a surveillance camera hidden in the wooden canopy above the front door, so I checked to see who it was because... I wasn't expecting any deliveries and I couldn't be bothered to deal with a salesperson. 
It was a woman who looked late 40s to early 50s, very smartly dressed, like really expensive clothes and even jewelry. Stuff I could never afford, in fact. Most people around here generally couldn't afford it either. We're not an affluent area by any means, and this lady stuck out like a sore thumb. She looked flustered and agitated, glancing towards the back garden before trying to look through the tiny frosted glass window on the front door. I noticed that she was carrying a dog's lead, but I didn't see a dog. As it happens, at the far side of my back garden, there are two hedges. There's the hedge that I own within my property boundaries, and there's a second hedge outside my boundary that's council-owned, along a sort of small grassland where people walk dogs. I know for a fact that there is a hole in the council-owned hedge, which I've reported it to council at least a dozen times over the past decade, and they've done the square root of sort all about it. Because of my hedge, though, I cannot reach it to do anything about it myself. Consequently, when I saw the dog's lead, I thought, oh no, I bet her dog has gone through that hole. If it's a big dog, it's not getting into my garden, but if it's a small dog, it might be able to work its way through, and I've always got some cooked meat, so I figured that I might be able to lure it out. I'm a dog lover at heart, so of course I, I want to help this woman if I can. When I was a kid, my dog went missing for a few weeks too, and I thought that I was never going to get him back. I was heartbroken for those weeks, but fortunately we did get him back, and ever since I've been extremely sensitive to pets in need. Anyway, I open the door and this woman gives me the weirdest look, like she was expecting someone completely different to answer the door and that I shouldn't be there. To be fair to her, my mum used to live here too, so I didn't think much of that weird look to begin with. Maybe she was expecting her. In any case, I say hello, and she sort of just stares at me for the longest 30 seconds before she tries to look past me and asks to see Margaret. I don't know what it is about other people's mistakes, but whenever someone has the wrong number, I always end up apologizing as if it's my fault. So that's what I did. I apologized and told her that there was no Margaret at this address. Again, she gives me that look. Only this time there's anger behind it. Yes, there is, she insists. It occurs to me at this point that I have a relative called Margaret, but she lives about 60 miles away and I haven't seen her in years. Nevertheless, just in case she's got her addresses muddled, I ask, are you looking for Margaret and gave the surname, but she just hisses at me, you know exactly who I'm looking for, what have you done with her? I am absolutely lost at this point. I've lived here 20 years and I know the name of the previous owner so I know that she's not asking for them. I also know the names of the neighbors and the names of the people who have lived on the street in the time that I've been here and since moved and none of them are called Margaret. So all I can do is tell her that she's got the wrong address. No, this is, and her name, and her address, you're lying. That was a tad alarming. I mean, she's definitely at the right address. She's not knocked on the wrong door. However, she clearly thinks that I've done something to somebody who, to the best of my knowledge, has never lived here. I don't know how long the previous owner had this house, but 
We must be talking about at least 30 years since anyone called Margaret might have actually lived here. It's at this point that I noticed that she subtly wrapped that dog lead around her now clenched fist like she's planning to use it as a weapon. In my youth, I did plenty of self-defense training, so I'm not exactly scared of her as such, but I'm obviously getting a bit concerned about the situation that's brewing. I don't particularly wish to get involved in a brawl on my doorstep with a complete stranger after all. I'm torn between shutting the door in her face or trying to de-escalate the situation. In the end, I close the door a little so she's got less to aim at and tell her, Look, I don't know who you're looking for, but if you think something's happened to your friend, then maybe just call the police and let them sort it out. Sure enough, the woman slams her fist with the lead wrapped around it into my door. I later discovered, too, that she'd struck the door hard enough to crack the frosted glass window in the middle of it. She's bleeding from doing it. It must have hurt, but she doesn't flinch or show any sign of pain. What the heck, right? Any confidence that I had in my self-defense classes started to waver here a bit because I'm not used to people who don't feel pain. All I can think now is that she's on something and having a really bad trip. So at this point, I put on my scariest voice and tell her to get back. I let her know that I'm calling the police and if she's still here and they get here, she can deal with them because I'm not dealing with her anymore. She then tries to stop me from closing the door, but I shove her back and manage to get it closed and locked. I make a point to stand next to the door while I'm calling 999 so she can hear me. While I'm waiting for the police to turn up, I watch her on surveillance feed. She moves out of shot multiple times, presumably to check the back of the house, and I hear her calling out for Margaret. A few minutes before the police finally turn up, I see her kick my wheelie bins in a rage, but then the most chilling thing happens. She walks back to the front door and literally stares directly into my camera. Now, that camera is pretty well hidden. I'm not saying that nobody could spot it, but most people would only know it was there if they'd been looking for it. Most people aren't looking for cameras, right? But she knew that it was there. She must have eyeballed it previously. When, I don't know. But I later reviewed all the footage I had from that day, and she never made eye contact with it once. She never even looked in that direction. I only had about a week's worth of footage before it, the oldest footage is overwritten, and I checked everything that I had and she was only on the camera that day. All I can think is that maybe she had been here more than a week prior or something. While she's staring right into it though, she flips me the finger and then makes a throat cutting gesture before turning and walking off. I head to the window to watch her leave and she's walking like she doesn't have a care in the world. She doesn't look back and just wanders away. Police finally show up. Good job I wasn't being murdered. Take a statement. I give them a copy of the surveillance footage and that's that. I called a couple of times to follow up but nothing. Nobody ever called me about it too. I won't lie too. This had me up for a few weeks I moved the knife block closer to the door as well, though out of sight of any of the windows. I started staying up really late and not getting much sleep, which really didn't help. 
On some nights I was so tired that I started experiencing auditory hallucinations. I'd hear people who weren't there talking and because this woman was the curse of all of my stress, I heard her voice and the name Margaret most of all. Every time I heard the gate open, it always put me on edge. I'd review the surveillance footage every day and eventually as the weeks passed and I hadn't heard anything else, I started to regain some of my comfort and just put it down to a, a really weird experience. But it didn't last. About four, maybe five weeks perhaps, after the first encounter, she came back. It was just after midnight. I was in the living room mucking about on my phone with the TV on low volume for some background noise. I heard a car door slam and I peeked out the front window. A dark colored car was parked at the end of my driveway. I couldn't see what make or model it was, but it looked like some sort of, I don't know, maybe a state car? I think Americans call them station wagons, right? I didn't see anyone moving about, but a minute or two later, the front gate swung open with its metallic groaning, and there was a knock on the door. Even when I'm not involved in a blood feud over imaginary Margaret's, I'm not going to enter the door at that time. I checked the surveillance camera. It's night vision mode is pretty bad, but I am positive it is that woman again. I can even see what I think is a dog lead as well. And of course, she knows I'm watching her because she looks at the camera again. And I tell you, when somebody is already giving you the heebie-jeebies like this, the way night vision makes people's eyes look like soulless black voids, doesn't do much to make you feel better. Suddenly, she yells out, Shut that racket off and come out here now. I had the TV on, but as I mentioned, it was on a very low volume. Which was so weird because, I mean, there's no way that she could have heard it from outside the front door. I mean, I couldn't even hear it if I walked into the hallway. I'm convinced at this point that she's mentally unwell, so I call the police again. I want them to stay on the line, but they just tell me that someone will be over soon and to call them back immediately if things escalate. So I'm waiting, watching, and just hoping that she doesn't start trying to smash a window or something. She kicks over my wheelie bins again. I don't know what she's got against them, but whatever. And yells something else out, which I couldn't quite make out, but whatever it was, it was enough for one of the neighbors to come and investigate themselves. I watched the neighbor talking with her for a minute. She's remonstrating about something, wagging her finger towards my front door, but my neighbor is eventually able to get her to leave. He even sticks around for a bit to make sure that she's gone. Sadly, that also means that she's gone before the police turned up again and made me feel like I was a bother to them. Another statement, handing over more security footage, more nothing. I caught up with the neighbor the next day and... He apologized because it didn't occur to him to make a note of the registration plate, but he told me that she'd said much the same thing as she said to me previously. She wanted to know where Margaret was and what I'd done with her. I'm grasping for answers at this point. I mean, even if she is mentally unwell, the fact that she's sticking to this Margaret story and has the right address makes me think that there's something more to this than somebody having a breakdown then it clicks. Is Margaret her dog? Does she think that I've stolen her dog? Did she have a dog go through the hole in the back 
Does she think that I've hurt her dog? Is that what this is all about? It'd be another few weeks before she came back. This time at 3am, I'm awoken by knocking on the door. A few minutes later, I hear tapping on the bedroom window. I know that it's her instantly. I can hear her saying things, but I cannot really make them out because they're too muffled through the windows. It's like she didn't want to get the neighbor out again, so she's trying to keep quiet this time. I jump out of bed and put some clothes on as quickly as I can. I try and follow her as best as I can as she moves around the outside of the house from room to room, knocking, tapping, and muttering. I think that I hear a few coherent words like noise racket. I'm pretty sure she called me some expletives as well, but maybe I was imagining that. I can't check the surveillance footage this time because she spray painted the lens. Not that it'd matter much this time. She's not lingering by the front door at all. I think about calling the police again, but honestly, it's just proven to be a waste of time so far, and I get the feeling that if I call them out a third time and she's gone, then they're just going to start accusing me of wasting their time, even if I do have the evidence. They've not exactly been that helpful so far, after all. In the end, I wait by the front door and listen to her. Eventually, she knocks again, and I call out, Is Margaret your dog? Dead silence nothing. I can't see anything through the frosted glass because it's too dark. I have no idea where she is and I don't want to turn the outside lights on. To be honest, I don't even know why I feel this way. She knows that I'm in the house because I've called out to her, but I still don't want to draw any more attention to myself. I end up standing there for who knows how long, at least an hour, probably more because the sun starts coming up. My heart is going a mile a minute, pretty much the whole time. Once it's bright enough, I start checking through the windows to see if I can see her, but no, nothing. I tentatively open the front door and look outside. I still cannot see her. I grab something to arm myself with just in case. I can't remember what it was now, but I check all around my house and the back garden, but she's not there. And as I'm heading back to the front door... I spot the oddest thing. The gate is closed. That gate is physically attached to the side of my house and when it opens and closes, it makes a fair bit of noise. You'd immediately hear it if someone opened or closed it when you were standing next to the front door, but it's closed. So what does that mean? Did she jump it somehow? It's possible, I guess, but I certainly wouldn't want to try it. Anyway, I open the gate and head out to the end of the driveway. I look around and there's no sign of anyone. I turn back to the house and I see that she spray-painted liar on the front door of my house and left the dog lead on the floor beneath it. That was, thankfully, the last time that I ever heard from or saw this woman, but I think she still comes by sometimes. Ever since all this happened, I get this really creeped out feeling occasionally at night and I always check out the window. I don't know whether I'm imagining it or what, but every now and again, I swear that I see a dark-colored estate car out on the street. Not parked at the end of my driveway these days, but I just can't shake the feeling that she's in there watching my house. Perhaps she was looking for her dog, 
and she keeps thinking that she'll see me with it at some point. Whatever the case, this whole thing was strange and it shook me. I'm still living with it and I just wish that it never happened to begin with. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I would describe myself as an open-minded skeptic. At least, that's what I would have said until maybe about two months ago when I had an experience that forever changed me. Now, I really don't know what to call myself. This happened in early July. I was on a trip with my wife and mother-in-law through the United Kingdom and we had a few days in Edinburgh to take in the sights. Now, I knew that my family was originally from Scotland, but I wasn't sure where. Edinburgh seemed a pretty safe bet though, since that's where J.K. Rowling is from and my last name, while rather uncommon, is incredibly similar to our minor character in the Harry Potter books. We had heard that she took inspiration for a number of characters' names from headstones that she found in local kirkyards, cemeteries, so we decided to take a look for ourselves to see if we could find anything. Long story short, we did. Early one evening, we visited St. Cuthbert's Kirkyard near Edinburgh Castle. By random chance, we arrived just as the paranormal bus tour was leaving. The tour group were all lined up by the bus, but the tour guide was walking alone through the Kirkyard to meet them. Clearly not one to miss the opportunity to spook some out-of-towners as we crossed paths, he told us to be on the lookout for the ghost of a little six-year-old. He said that she likes to tug on people's jackets, which we took as an opportunity to make a few predictable jokes to scare each other once we were on our own. So we walked around the graveyard for a bit, talking about the various names that we saw, and I made a point to mention that if we did see any of my ancestors, the spelling might be a little bit different. After some time... I felt a small hand hold mine. My wife has pretty small hands, but she was standing on the other side of me, and this also felt smaller, childlike. There was no chill in the air, no eerie feeling that I was being watched, just a small child's hand reaching out and holding onto mine. I didn't say anything out loud because my mother-in-law is very religious and I'm already on thin ice with her over some of my political stances, so it just seemed best to keep my mouth shut about an ongoing paranormal encounter. So, there I was, 
walking through a graveyard with my wife on my left, my mother-in-law behind me, and an invisible child holding my hand as we looked at the tombstones. I was completely silent the whole time. I wasn't afraid, but this ghost seemed friendly almost, and people say that I have kid magic, so I figured, hey, this kid probably just wanted to hold my hand and take a stroll. It wouldn't be so out of ordinary had the child in question been somebody that I knew, and, well, alive, of course, but I digress. I slowed my pace to make it easy for the kid to keep up. I have long legs and people say that I walk fast, which caused me to fall behind a little as my wife went on ahead. My mother-in-law was reading the headstones carefully, causing her to fall even further behind, and I realized that I didn't want to split up our group, so I looked ahead and called out to my wife. I was going to walk over to her, but the hand suddenly pulled back on me. I kept my eyes on my wife and told her to wait up for us, and the hand started tugging towards the right side of the path, slightly behind me. It wasn't violent. It felt more like a kid trying to get me to look at something. I was still facing forward when I heard my mother-in-law's voice from behind me on the right side of the path. Is this what you were looking for? I turned around, and sure enough, she was standing in front of a large headstone engraved with my family name. About a dozen of my ancestors were directly beneath us in the end, and a ghostly child's hand seemed to be trying to show me that they were there. I paused and took in the experience. It was incredible, and I felt a, a deep sense of gratitude, I guess. After spending some time there, the grip of my hand loosened slightly, but it didn't let go. We continued on our journey, and... I found myself swinging my right arm involuntarily to a slightly different rhythm than my own stride. If you've ever held hands with a small child while they're skipping rather than walking, you know what this feels like. After a short walk though, the swinging stopped and suddenly I felt my hand released. There was a slight brushing feeling as this spectral hand took leave of my own and when I looked in the direction that might lead, I saw that... I was standing in front of the grave with a girl's name. Apparently, she died at six years old in the early 19th century. For the life of me, I can't remember the name of that headstone, but if I saw it, I would know it right away. And if I ever return to Edinburgh, I'll make sure to bring her flowers to thank her for showing me around. Now, I'm no stranger to odd noise and stuff that I could maybe debunk, or at least stuff that I could convince myself wasn't real, like feeling that I'm being watched, the intense kind of feeling where the hair stands on the back of your neck and you start to slightly panic, or our Alexa suddenly being on volume 10, it's usually on something really low like 2 or 3, and then shouting that it doesn't understand what we're saying when we haven't said anything. Or the fact that at 2am someone knocked on my bedroom door very loudly when both my parents were asleep in the bedroom on the other side of the house, only for me to open my bedroom door and no one be there, even after inspection. Thinking about it now, there would be absolutely no way for either of my parents to sneak out of bed, 
come to my room and knock on my door and then make it back into bed in time for me to have come and open the door. I also hear every noise in the house. I know when they open their door and I know when they're using the bathroom. I can hear everything and I didn't really hear anything that night. Still, I pushed it to the back of my mind and told myself that it had to have been one of them, even after telling them about it and them swearing that it wasn't them. But then, about two months ago, I was sat downstairs with my mum watching TV. She paused it so that she could go to the bathroom, so I went to go and make us a cup of tea. She got upstairs and then, maybe about a minute later, as clear as day, I hear her shout my name, so... I walk towards the stairs, and she's coming down at the same time. But before I say anything, she asks me if I shouted for her. I told her that no, I didn't, and that I thought that she shouted for me. We both thought that it was creepy, but laughed it off, until my mum came into my room tonight and said that my dad, who's extremely skeptical, said that last night after my mum had went to bed... He stayed downstairs to watch a movie and he had heard what he thought was my mum whisper or shout his name and that he's absolutely sure that it came from the kitchen. He said that it couldn't have come from anywhere else because the stairs were on the other side of the house. He went into the kitchen and nothing was there apart from an open cupboard. He went upstairs to make sure that my mum was in bed and she was. The door was closed and she was fast asleep. I think it's becoming obvious that there is something with us and it's starting to bother me. I don't think it's a ghost or a spirit. I really don't know what it is. But when I read up about mimics, I was wondering if there's a possibility that this could be one of them. We've lived in this house for 15 years and nothing like this has ever happened. Not apart from small stuff that I mentioned earlier. So I really could use some advice guys was this a ghost or a spirit or was it a mimic or is it the same thing should i be cautious thanks for listening and i would honestly appreciate anything that you might have to say g'day mates it's Bee buster here thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the be scared podcast and please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today 
or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. 